Good afternoon, everyone. This is Maddie Arenas from White and Blue Review. I'm joined by Alex Miller from White and Blue Review. Hello. Um, coming to you live from TD Ameritrade Park Press Box after Creighton's uh, 8-1 loss on Sunday in the rubber match against Georgetown. The Jays drop the series, take 2-3. Do the Hoyas back to DC with them? Um, Creighton gets knocked out of the fourth spot in the Big East standings, which, as everyone should know by now, is all that qualifies for the Big East tournament. So, needless to say, this is not a good weekend for Creighton. Did not go according to plan. Um, they continue to struggle in the Big East despite pretty good results in non-conference play. Um, so we'll get you wrapped up here, uh, kind of recap the whole weekend for you, game by game, and kind of let you know what transpired and why it transpired and what we see going forward. And Alex, I guess we'll start with game one, which was the the good part of the weekend for the Jays. Um, got an 8 nothing win. Georgetown looked terrible. Out of sorts is the best way to put it, yeah. Terrible. They didn't look like a team that was ready to compete this weekend, certainly, and uh I think this was probably the most surprising about Saturday and Sunday that we'll get to, but um, what was your takeaways from Friday's performance? Obviously, Ryan Tappany was his usual lights-out self on the mound. They even extended him a little bit to make sure the bullpen got a little bit more rest after the Nebraska game was pretty ta- pretty pretty taxing. Um, what were some of your takeaways about uh, Friday, um, the way the Jays got the job done, and maybe what, what you thought – going from that game into the weekend about maybe how the rest of the series would play out. Yeah, I mean, it, it all started with, with Ryan Tapney. I mean, he was, he was excellent, as is he usually is. And, uh, you know, I mean, the, the bats were kind of there on Friday night. They weren't there consistently, but they were there enough to hit the ball where Georgetown happened to be hanging out, and Georgetown didn't make any plays. Yeah, Creighton's best offense, I think we joked, was to hit it where Georgetown was. Yeah, yeah. And, we, and we kind of talked about that today. It's like, if you hit it right at Georgetown, they're going to panic or they're just going to, you know, make an error. Yeah, they weren't very sharp defensively at all. all no. Weekend, all weekend, really. No, they kind of looked like in Creighton today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, there was, there's a couple of plays where, yeah, the left fielder for Georgetown, he, he f- completely lost track of the ball for a, a triple uh, I think that was off the bat of Ryan Mantle, and then Will Robertson had the same result from the right fielder who completely lost the ball in the lights. Mm-hmm. So the Jays got a lot of lucky breaks on Friday night. They kind of covered up what turned out to be a very anemic offense this weekend. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, credit to Georgetown for making Creighton look like world beaters on Friday night because, I mean, an 8 to nothing win when your Friday night starter goes eight innings and is relieved by... A gigantic person in Jacob Voss. It was six foot nine. Like yeah, they didn't, Creighton pounds. didn't even really use any of their they used big no, bullets from the bullpen. They no, all I mean, rested and ready to go. I think the last time Voss pitched was against, I think South Dakota State, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, previous to that, I don't know when <clears> the last time he pitched. He usually pitches in you know, blowout games. Right? Yeah, I think so, maybe Evansville even was the last time. Maybe. You yeah, know? that sounds about right. Yeah. Because yeah, so he rarely ever pitches, so it was it was kind of a statement game and. It, it kind of got you 
you know, bought into this this false hope that okay, Georgetown is as bad as advertised. Because was, was it false hope? Did you think Georgetown I was be, better than better than that? Well, coming into the weekend, I'm like, wow, look at Georgetown's RPI. It's it's in yeah. I think it was in the low two hundreds. They beat Ohio State earlier. They, they did, yeah. 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 But I think they they took them ten innings, mm-hmm. you know, to do it. But they still managed to outlast Ohio State. It was, it was I mean. Kind of the class of the Big Ten this year. Yeah, and it shows right that they're there. capable of yeah, sure. of pulling off big wins. Mm-hmm. But then they've lost some some head scratchers. They haven't played particularly well in conference play, and so you know, you come into it and you're like, well, okay, this this could be a series that the Jays could finally you know take that next step in the Big East standings and kind of get some momentum, yeah. solidify themselves in that third place slots because I mean it's it's pretty much St. John's and Seton Hall mm-hmm. like running away with it completely I think they're both just saddled with one loss so it was like this is Creighton's opportunity mm-hmm. and Georgetown's trash and this <laughs> is going to be it yeah. and boy was uh, was I wrong because the next night Saturday did, night did, did you night, did you see it on did you see things on Friday that well, I mean, I guess we can probably go back to the Nebraska game because you got a ten-one lead, and then they had to hang on for dear life. But I mean, that's still. But they really didn't. I mean, because they got a 10 run lead, and then it was pretty much a bullpen game after that. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, right. I mean, Church went his what six and two thirds innings, and you know, he threw his ninety-two pitches. Mm-hmm. You know, and they went to the bullpen. When they got to the bullpen, that's when things kind of fell apart. It, it's similar to what happened Saturday night as well, where it was almost the. The offense didn't did their part against Nebraska, and the offense certainly did their part against Xavier, where you could see this kind of hot streak building for the offense, and then all of a sudden it cooled, and then it, simultaneously this weekend the bullpen cooled as well. But I mean, when you think about when you in, in terms of Friday and maybe the luck factor, uh, obviously Georgetown made a ton of mistakes, and late in the game it kind of got away from them. Um, you know, Will Robertson had a routine fly ball. It went to the wall, but, I mean, it was one that was really – it was hung up in the air that, you know, their right fielder could have camped under it and made the play. That led to three runs. Um, Ryan Mantle's uh, triple off the godfather sign in, in left center. Uh, you know, left fielder is tracking it. He gets to the wall before it, but he's not in the right spot by about five feet. So it's like I don't know what he was watching. So it's like it's one of those things where Creighton kind of got some lucky bounces on Friday to make that 8 nothing game look – you know, looked like eight nothing, right? But it really wasn't eight to nothing. No, it, it really could have been a game that was a high leverage situation down the stretch in the final couple innings. That you know, it could have been anybody's ball game. And I think yeah. that goes to what you're saying about the false sense of security because Creighton really didn't play well on Friday. They just Georgetown played worse. Well, Georgetown made monumental mistakes when there were too many runners on. Yes, because Mantle had the bases loaded and Robertson had the bases loaded. They made mistakes in both circumstances. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if they grounded a double play, I mean, there's six runs off the board essentially. I mean, and that that's that's a huge factor that you kind of have to take into account. It's like you're right; it is the luck factor. Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise, that's a two nothing game at the end of it. And that means you're going to Bobby Comitas in the bullpen. That means you're right. It's a high leverage game. But that didn't happen because right. Georgetown's ineptitude. Yeah, I'm not trying to like, take credit away from Creighton's win. It's just like yeah. it's one of those things where if you're trying to forecast performance, mm-hmm. if you think, oh, we just smashed this team eight to nothing, that that, that wasn't eight to nothing. No. Like you've you know, that wasn't an eight to nothing ball game, that was a two nothing two nothing, three nothing, three one type of ball game that a lot of mistakes 
made it get out of hand. And, and no question about it, Ryan Tapney was phenomenal. Oh, he probably he was probably the best player all weekend. Yeah, I don't I, even think it's even close. Well, I mean, because Georgetown's whole entire offensive approach was swing and yep. swing often. Yeah. Even if it's trash, swing at it. Yeah. Because you're going to make weak contact and it's going to find a hole somewhere. And it didn't work out for them at all on Friday night. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Tappany was able to capitalize on that. Mm-hmm. And he was able to get choice strikeouts, and he was able to, to get a bunch of flyouts and a bunch of groundouts. And, I mean, he was so methodical in his approach. And, I mean, you have to credit Eric Wardekamper for his, you know, pitch calling there. Is, I mean, I mean, that was – I mean, it was just really, really nice to see Ryan Tappany do that. But then to turn around and see the rest of the weekend, it's like, well, what happened? Well, for for Tappany especially, and we've talked about it a lot, it's one of those things where you you just, as odd as the situation is, considering his lack of playing time last year, right? Um, and the role he's being thrust into this year as the Friday guy, it's it's impressive that we are at the point now where we expect that on Friday, right? Don't you think so? I mean, because if he were to struggle. And get rocked or whatever. That would be an outlier. Because at, it hasn't this, point, at yeah. this point, yes. yeah, we've yeah, got, it's a big enough sample size now to know where we kind of can ex- have an ex- expectation for Ryan when he goes out there on Friday nights. And that's kind of I think it's 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 more impressive than just his story of development because he's become a guy that's so consistent and so lights out that on Friday night when. Those games are usually up in the air, and you know that's usually the best versus the best that you're going to see all weekend. Right. Um, Creighton has an advantage on the mound. You feel like every time out. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was kind of the thing that the Tampany got. I mean, he got into trouble a lot mm-hmm. in in that game on Friday night. I mean, he had runners on on second base in less than two outs. I think three consecutive innings. I think it was the third, fourth, and fifth inning, mm-hmm. and he didn't allow any of them to score. No. None of them got past second base. Right. He kept them right there. Right. And you can tell in the third inning, he kind of made an adjustment. All of a sudden, his tempo slowed. Mm-hmm. I mean, until that point, he was, he was, I mean, Emoti would fire back, he would fire up to Emoti, and it was just kind of this, this kind of rhythm, very quick rhythm they were in. And then all of a sudden, <coughs> Georgetown gets runners on first and second, and no one out. And then Tappany completely slows things down. He's taking his time, he's looking back runners, the entire tempo changed. And that's, that's a, it's a little bit more of a mature move from a, a pitcher like him because last year and he's mature by age, but he's not necessarily mature by experience. Well, exactly, which is right. You know, I just continue to be really impressed by how he handles things where you're like, "Uh oh, I wonder how you know a guy with as little D one experience as he has yeah. will handle a situation like that." And he always well, it seems like he's always done it this year, but he definitely didn't do it last year. Last year, he right. panicked. Right. Right. He got into this panic mode. Right. And so that just goes to show, if he was able to have that that mental leg up last year, he could have been one of the more dominant middle relievers sure. that Creighton had. And that's sure. kind of what they were missing last year. Yeah. I mean, because they had the lights out back in, they had the lights out, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday guy. No doubt. Um, I mean, even if you, you throw him out there midweeks, you know, maybe we maybe we see Creighton win a couple more of those Nebraska series. but. Mm-hmm. And Nebraska games, but regardless, I mean, Tapney, I think that's the, the biggest stride that I've seen him take, and I mean, he's mentioned his, his two-seam fastball, getting a little bit more bite on it, and I mean, that certainly gener- generates way more whiffs. 
Well, I think you talked about his changeup on Friday being a, bit, a pitch that. Well, was, he was. It, well, it was his breaking stuff. So yeah. I mean, he was throwing curveballs in there that were actually working. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so if you can get the, the two seam fastball, which has movement on it, and then you have the the curveball as well. That, I mean, drops, you know, 12-6, you know, where it has the vertical movement as opposed to the horizontal movement, all of a sudden you have the, the hitters completely off balance. And if and Tavity's release points, the same for both pitches. So basically what, what you've got there is they have no idea what's going to come, but it's always going to break. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that – Ryan Tavity doesn't throw a straight fastball. Right. There's, There's nothing that he throws that doesn't have – It's either horizontal or vertical movement. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so Georgetown wasn't able to generate any solid contact off him. Everything was either fouled off or it was weak. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, maybe in the first inning someone got a line drive to left center. That, And I feel like that was the only really thing that was hard hit. I don't think it was – Yeah, but I mean, there were, I think, four – in the first five innings, there were four base hits to left field. Okay. And that was it. I mean, but they were all straight to Parker Upton. They, none of them were in the gap. It was, it was pretty much straight – through the gap in on the left side. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was dominant. He was dominant, and he continues to be. And he, and frankly, we'll get to this a little bit later, but he kind of has to be now. Like there, there there's a lot of pre- now. There's a lot of pressure on him, even more so because the season's going to kind of be on the line in every time he hits the hill from right. now on. So yeah, it is. It is almost going to be another. It's going to be another hurdle for him to clear. Even though he's already passed all the tests with flying colors that you want to see out of a Friday night ace, um, the the leverage of the situations that he's going to be pitching in from now on, or but the, the pressure's not on him because he's been he's been replicating the same success pretty much every Friday night. But, so there's no pressure on him because he's been doing the same thing consistently. The pressure is on Preston Church and Mitch Reagan no, no to doubt. actually produce. No doubt. But it's also on the bullpen as well. But their margin for error, they, they I mean, I don't know if they can lose another game in conference play, that's what I mean. So like and Tappany's facing the, the best. Way, but the way that he's been pitching, it does, he, has, he doesn't have to change anything. And there's no added pressure because he's just they're just good on Friday nights. I mean, they have been all year. That's true. I mean, it's, it's something about – it's it's a weird thing about baseball. They're just good. It's like, you know, I don't know if you remember Brian Bannister. He was a pitcher for the Royals. Okay. And I think throughout his career, he had maybe like one or – a terrible pitcher. He had like one or two losses in day games. Yeah. Won every single other one. Okay. And then in night games, I think he like had one or two wins, and that was it. I love that we can bring your Royals experience into this. Like, <laughs> there's so much pain and suffering, but there's also some jubilation like mixed in there. Right, but I mean – Because of recent just, history. It's like, weird statistical shit like that where it's like someone's so good – just in day games, <laughs> he was day banny. He was like day banny's fucking pitching. So it's like this is actually going to be a, an exciting Royals game to watch. All right. And then when he was pitching at night, it's like well you can, you know, you can watch cartoons after that. Did he have vision problems or what? That seems kind of weird to have that kind of a split. But it's it's a weird mental thing with baseball players. I don't know. Okay. I don't get it. It's bizarre, but it's like Ryan Daphne on Friday he doesn't nights. Have that, it doesn't does, make sense, right. but it works. Okay, so he doesn't have that hurdle. So uh, that was Friday. That was the good. Yeah. The rest of this, uh, the rest of this podcast is probably not going to be enjoyable to listen to. But um, yeah, so, so skip about. Yeah. So if you're really optimistic and you don't like, yeah, you know, if you just get all cringy when things have to be talked, when we have to talk about bad things, this is just, this is where you you tune out. Yeah. So um, fair so, warning. Yeah. So skip ahead about. You know, maybe thirty minutes, and maybe, then we're, skip, skip ahead. Maybe three weeks. Maybe we'll have better news. Well, thirty, 30 minutes in the podcast, then we'll talk about something fun at the end. We'll give you a little Easter egg at the end. Maybe we'll uh, 
We'll talk about it. I have no Easter eggs prepared, so unless you've got one ready, don't make promises you can't keep. No, I'll, I'll think of something. Okay. <laughs> by the time this half hour is over, I'll think of He's going to come up with something positive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's a after we talk about two shit shows in a row. <laughs> uh, so, for, uh, Saturday night, great crowd, great weather. The uh, you know the first responders and military appreciation night. Probably one of my favorite, uh, favorite games to cover across all sports because... I mean, just feels all wholesome and stuff. Fireworks. It's it's the patriotism. People showing yeah. up. The weather's good. Baseball. You know, America's pastime. All that stuff is just like a. It's a wholesome three hours of, of life. Um, but Creighton didn't want to spend three hours doing it, so they got a two-one lead in the first inning and looked like they were ready to come up with a lot of energy that Ed Service was talking about and spray the ball over the field and. Get Georgetown's ace pitcher out of the game early, and you know, go to work against their bullpen. But uh, Brent Killam settled in after that first inning. He had a two-one deficit, but he settled in through some zeros up there, and then Georgetown got him some runs um, later in the game in the sixth and the ninth to, you know, to separate that thing. And you know, it really, it really kind of churned quickly. And it didn't. I don't know if I realized it halfway through. I certainly don't think I did that Georgetown was kind of grabbing momentum away from Creighton for the series because, you know, you don't see that stuff in real time. You think, okay, well, both teams are throwing up zeros, so really it's just a toss-up at this point. Whoever can get a run on the board, it's going to have a lot of energy on the other side of the dugout. But once Georgetown got the lead, the rest of the weekend was all Hoyas. Yeah. And so it started in that sixth inning when they got those two runs in. And, and, and I'm blaming the offense. So maybe you can disagree with me, but here's why I blame the offense. Killam was pitching really well for Georgetown, no question about it. Pounding the strike zone, um, you know, getting Creighton to chase out of it and pop up weak contact all day long. But those two, those fourth and fifth innings where he had a six-pitch fourth and a six-pitch fifth, okay, that those that's, that's insanely quick innings. To put those together back-to-back and then send Mitch Reagan back out there as quickly as what six pitches would take – I feel like that wore into him quicker than it would have. Because it felt like Mitch Reagan never really left the mound. Right. You know what I mean? And then Georgetown gets to him in the top of the sixth after those two innings. Yeah. So the next time out, like, that was really when things started to come undone for him. And I thought he was pitching really well. I mean, he was getting swings and misses. He got 26 swings and misses last night. That's an absurd amount. So he was he had the Hoyas all out of sorts. Yeah. Um, you know, just chasing whatever he was releasing from his hand having no clue what was coming out of it. Um, but I think, you know, there was an element of fatigue and his pace in the sixth inning when he comes back out there after the Jays, uh, you know, have two quick innings of offense in a row that they don't do anything with. Um, I just think that was a factor in, in how Georgetown got the lead. Do you, do you see it differently? Because it felt like that. No, I, I, I think you hit on something really well there is the fact that, I mean, it, it was really interesting because last night I looked at the stamp broadcast, you know, page and I, I saw that they kill him through seven innings. Had no, I think it was through eight innings. Had only thrown eighty-two pitches. Yes, and I'm like, he's throwing a Maddox right now. He's he Maddoxing. He was Maddoxing Creighton. Creighton, and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, how has this guy been able to do this? And mm-hmm. then you you look back, but there's some about so many pop ups. But there's there's some. About, I was I was seeing pop ups in my sleep last night. Like, I, yeah. There was just so many of them, man. I mean, it was just and Creighton wasn't working counts, and nope. they, they weren't working to get you know a fastball at least in or on the outside part of the plate. They, they were just 
They were simply swinging to swing. Yeah. And that was their approach. It was, it, it was, you know, it was after that first inning. It was almost like if you see it, you can hit it. And I was just like, yeah, get, and, get a bat on it. And everything felt rushed. And I don't know mm-hmm. if that was maybe a little bit of nerves because they were – I mean, I, I was trying to think about this from, like, you know, one of their perspectives of, you know, you're standing in the box. You're right-handed hitter. You're standing in the box. And why, you turn, you're, why you'd be so impatient, you mean? Well, yeah. yeah. Where, you, where you turn and you look at it and you actually see a sea of people behind where Ed's standing. An unusual backdrop, sure. Okay. And it's like, oh, you, you haven't seen that <laughs> since last military appreciation night. I mean, so, you know, but I mean, not that that's an excuse or anything. I just, you know, visually that might be a little strange. Where you, you play in the same place every single time, and yeah. then all of a sudden there's a thing there that you didn't used to be there. I think we've joked about that, <laughs> that, that a big crowd might rattle this team. Yeah. Because they haven't played bit. in front of them all season long. Honest guy. I mean, could you imagine this team <laughs> playing in a College World Series atmosphere? They, Man. they blow their minds. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Um, but but it's back to the, I mean, the fact that they were, they were, very quick at bats, mm-hmm. and they're popping out. But the, their whole plate approach, everything was just. It, was, it felt awful. like they couldn't help themselves. Like exactly, you know, you're swinging at the pitches he wants you to swing at. That's why he's throwing it that when he's throwing it. And, and but you you see it, you think you can do something with it, and then the result happens. You're like, you think probably you missed something you could do something with. So then you come to the plate again. And you're thinking, if he gives me that again, I'm gonna do something with it. And then the same thing happens again. So like, it's almost like they couldn't. It's almost like they couldn't find themselves in time to realize you're swinging at the pitches he wants you to swing at. Right, and and I mean these are guys like Isaac Collins and Clark Brinkman who are that, used, that, that can work that counts. Are, that can yes. work counts. That are usually so patient up yes. there and wait for the proper pitch to hit mm-hmm. and to swing at. Yep. And yet they were doing the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's insane to think that there's the, the Creighton's at the point right now where they're actually giving pitchers single digit innings. It's crazy. It was crazy. It's insane. He was rolling compared to where they were last weekend. Ed Xavier. Yeah. To now, that's yeah. insane to think about. Well, man, that's uh, man. We could go on. I mean, you feel the <laughs> God. That's that false sense of security that Hayden does. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I mean, like, I think they could probably three of the pop flies they hit on Saturday would have left Hayden for sure. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just one of those things where I mean, you do have to give credit to Georgetown's pitcher because he did kind of ha- he got in Creighton's head like they were pressing and he knew it. Yeah. So he's like, I'm just gonna keep pounding the strikes on because they're getting themselves out. Yep. Like I don't have to be cute. I don't have to try to paint. I don't have to try to avoid bats. Like, they're not locked in, and they're not trying to be patient. They think they can hit me, so I'm going to throw things. He's, I'm going to throw what I want to throw, and they're going to they're gonna think they can hit it, but they can't. Yeah, I mean, he's throwing he he cookies out there. Yeah. I mean, he was straight up dealing out very hittable baseballs. And either Creighton was way too early, mm-hmm. or when, when they made contact, it, they popped it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just made poor contact. I'm trying to think what was hard hit. Like, uh, yeah. Robertson, Sapo. Robertson's oppo double in the first was a hard hit ball. Yeah, it turned into a triple, essentially. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Throw. Um, yeah, that was hard hit. I'm trying to think, but it just, that wasn't wasn't much, man. I mean, but like, even then, that's not that's not really Will Robertson's thing. I mean, to go opposite yeah, he's, field, down yeah, left field line. I mean, sure. he's pretty much a, a he is a pull. He's pull happy. For sure. He's pull happy. I mean, he can go opposite way occasionally, but mm-hmm. he's he's pull happy. Um, but to see him slice one down the line, that means that he was, I mean... He was late. He was late. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, no, no, it was, yeah. it, was, it was a tough night for the offense. I mean, I think 
after after that first inning where they got two hits with runners on base, they went 0 for 10 with the rest, the rest of the game with runners on base. Another five guys on. Got out, scored 5 to 1, got out, hit 9 to 3 mm-hmm. the rest of the way. So, yeah, the offense went into the tank. And, you know, I think on, you know, you think about it on Saturday and you're like, to put yourself in the mind of a player, what you're thinking in that situation, you're thinking, okay, well, they just had a good guy on the hill. A lefty who you know could you neutralize some of our bigger bats. Soft tossing lefty. Um, yeah, soft tossing lefty, a little crafty. Um, you you, you kind of like dismiss that as a blip, but I mean that was the game where they needed to come out with a lot of energy because they had a whole day of rest. Today was the one where they had to turn around real quick. Yep. You know what I mean. And if you don't have momentum, you know a lot of things to hang your hat on. You have to start building it yourself. And there's nothing to build off of because you spent eight innings scuffling, and it didn't. It continued on Sunday, uh, you know. Preston Church, you know, starting on what, four days rest from the Nebraska game, right? Yeah. Um, well, like, can we go back? It's really sharp. Oh can we yeah, go back yeah. Saturday, sure, just a little sure. bit. Okay, so I mean, basically, this game was in hand, right? Because Georgetown took the lead in the sixth inning. Yeah. In in that sixth inning, I do believe that. Uh, he that Ed Service pulled Preston Church. Uh, was that, was uh, no, that in the sixth or was that in the ninth? The, you're talking about Saturday? Yeah. Rich Reagan. Pitching. Yeah, sorry. Rich Reagan. Uh, hold on. No, it was the top of the ninth. So, top of the ninth, it's a 3 2 ball game. Oh, okay. You're talking about the Justin Wick. Yes. Okay. So, you, you, you got a 3 2 ball game, you got mm-hmm. runners in the corners, one out. Yep. And Ed Service goes to Justin Wick uh, to relieve. Were there runners at the corners or are there two on? There was runners in scoring position, weren't there? Runners on the corners. Oh, there were runners. But there were runners on the corners, and then uh, Wick threw one in the dirt, and then uh, Modi deferred. Yeah, So yeah, the yeah, guy yeah, took, yeah, took yeah, second. Yeah. There's no throw. There's no play. Yep. Um, but the reason, I mean, talking to Ed afterwards, the reason that he went with Wick was because he doesn't have a lot of left-handed arms coming out of the pen. Yeah. Which is true. It's true. I mean, he has Grant Springer, and I mean, poor Grant Springer. Springer already pitched, yeah. Oh, my God. That guy is getting worked this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like every time they need is some sort of reliever to get him over a hump. He's, he's, he's Nicky Heiberger. Yeah, he's Nicky Heiberger. He's not exactly. a girl. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's available every day. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then he puts Justin Wick in. Justin Wick, uh, I don't know if you, if you Blue Jay fans know his story, but uh, coming off of Tommy John surgery that he got last year, so the first game that he pitched, I believe, was against South Dakota State, uh, where he, he I think he threw to two batters, but he's got this bizarre, incredible windup. Yeah, it's like a, it, it's a delivery. There's so like a little bit of a Kershaw hitch in there. Like there's a stoppage. Yes. In his motion, I, like if you've seen Ubaldo Jimenez pitch, where Ubaldo kind of tucks the ball behind his back. Ubaldo, huh? Yeah, but think of that instead of you know going over the top like Ubaldo does. Think of it as a three quarter arm slot. So he kind of has this hitch behind his back on a three quarter arm slot, and then fires it. Maybe it's, it's it might even be lower than three quarter. It might be, it's it's about three quarter. I'd say. Okay, uh, that's fair. Where he's got that hitch, mm-hmm. and then he throws it, and I mean you could you could see it, it, it's deceptive enough where it could work. Well, it makes you. It, it, I mean, if it has if a hitter is trying to like, if a hitter has a leg kick, especially it right. freezes everything. Your timing is terrible. Yes, but you can't time it up. So he puts Justin Wick in to relieve uh, Jonas Smith mm-hmm. because Jonas Smith's right handed. Uh, Georgetown had three lefties coming up, so he puts in Justin Wick. And 
so they get the deference to second base. They got runners on second and third, <coughs> and the infield comes in. Mm-hmm. There's only one out. So basically, the play's dead. So they have to make the play at the plate in order to make this keep this at a one-run ball game. Mm-hmm. And then Wick, I mean, he buries one in the dirt. I think he gets the guy to a full count, and then he leaves one over the plate. And this, uh, I can't remember the Georgetown player who hit the ball, but. Uh, singles it up the middle, and it was pretty close. If they were yeah, playing, Collins at, almost made the play. If that, they were the playing, dive. if they were playing at regular depth, Collins likely makes that play. Maybe not throws it to home. Yeah, the run scores at regular depth for sure. Yes, yeah. but two runs don't score. No, and they get an out on that. Maybe. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, at regular, at regular depth, at regular depth, Collins doesn't. Collins doesn't make the play. Christ just stops it. You don't think he can make that? Well, because at regular first. depth, he has to widen out, and it was straight up the middle. Sure. Collins only almost made the play because he was what? Right, but then he got four, four inches from the bag and he dove. So. Right, but then he gets double play basically set up again. Yeah, with runners on first and third again. Yeah, I mean so, it's, it's tough. It was it's a tough play like and, where where it was, but like yeah, if Collins if Collins is able to make the play, uh, Creighton gets really lucky because they probably double off the runner on second. Yeah, if, if that makes the diving catcher for sure. Yeah, because in in fact, I mean thinking back on it, that was probably the proper depth, but where that ball was hit. Yeah. It was almost perfect. It yeah, was it, almost, perfect it, almost, it almost was. Because it seriously. just yeah. dipped under yeah. Collins' glove. And then Creighton did get a run in the bottom half, so... They did. It would have been the tying run, but... Yeah. That inning got away from him in the top half, so... <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of innings that get away from him, we can talk about Sunday. Moving yeah. on. Uh, Preston Church uh, got the start for Creighton. Um, I mean, he's been... We've talked a lot about Tappany, but Church has probably been their best pitcher statistically. Uh, that's easy to say. Um, Wait, what? Over the last month, right? You know, if you think about his, all of his his peripherals and everything like that. I mean, when they needed to beat St. John's, he shut him down. They just choked it away with <laughs> the bullpen. Uh, beat Nebraska twice. I mean, he's had some tough assignments. Um, but he's been able to get right. He's been able to shut teams down. And... He was lights out again today for, I mean, I think they put him in too long, but he was lights out for the first four, for sure. It started to get, they started to get into his pitch count a little bit, and that's when, you know, he just threw 94 on Tuesday. It was 94 92. It was 94. 94. He threw 94 on Tuesday, and I figured he had three innings, maybe four max today. Just, And when his pitch count started to climb, it was like, and you don't see anybody in Creighton's bullpen, you're starting to wonder if they're possibly going to make the mistake of leaving him in too long. Right. And I think that's what ultimately happened. Because well, I mean, he didn't have any three-ball counts in the first three innings, and all of a sudden he had two in the fourth, and then he starts walking guys in the fourth, and he starts walking guys in the fifth, and then well, in the Georgetown fifth, starts pounding hits in. And in the fifth, he starts with back-to-back strikeouts. He did. I mean, he was fine. Yeah, he recovered from the three-ball counts with, with two strike, with back-to-back strikeouts. Right. And but, then, you, but you still didn't have anybody in the bullpen, though. And he had shown signs of fatigue. Right. That's what I was thinking. And then, yeah. and then all of a sudden he walks two guys, and then he starts coming undone. And you don't, still don't have everybody ready to replace him. So right. you have to let him pitch out of his own jam. But he doesn't have the energy to do it because he just threw 94 on Tuesday. Yeah. And, you know, I know it's four days, but, I mean, I don't think that's normal. Four days rest? For a college pitcher. I don't think that's normal. How is it any different from a professional pitcher? Well, because if you pitch Friday, Friday, how many days of rest do you have in between? 
if you pitch Friday to Friday. Yeah, it's six days. Right. So your normal days of rest, are, you know, your normal rest days, you have normal, normally have six days of rest with a bullpen in between. True. So I felt like today was maybe an well, extended... Five days. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh, I thought we were talking about professionals. No, college. Okay. Yeah, so you have six days of rest in between your starts. Yeah. Um, so I figured today was maybe an extended bullpen. You know, you go on 50 to 60 pitches. I mean, through 101. Yeah, through a lot of pitches. Through a lot of pitches today. And, you know, Georgetown tagged him in the end, got the three runs on the board. After that. And when you're looking at when you're looking at Creighton's <laughs> offense all day, like, you're like, that might do it. And it did. It was enough. Like, the Creighton only got one. They got one in the eighth. I still you know, after after Georgetown hung a five spot in the in the top of the eight to put it away, pretty much like that was that was those three runs against against what what I thought was a you know Church who was like the tank was empty and at that point I thought that was ball game really I thought Creighton was going to wake up and play a whole lot differently than they were I didn't think it was like a, a, a situation where well Creighton's doing good things they just you know got to get a little lucky no they were not playing well so I thought three nothing was. I thought that was balling and keeping him in too long. I thought that was a, that was a deciding factor because the, the offense fell asleep Saturday night and wasn't in any condition to wake up today. Right. Well, I, th- I think they could have overcome three runs. Um, I mean, depending had, on... Had it stayed at three, you mean? Right. Yeah. Had, had it stayed at three? Had it stayed at three. They might have been sure. able to make a comeback because this team... Because they did I start mean, putting good at-bats together in the eighth and ninth, yes. Yeah, especially yes. in the ninth inning. They All of a sudden, you have bases... Well, eighth inning, they had bases yep. look. Yep. Um... So I mean, there there were opportunities like that where I was like, man, if if they didn't allow five runs in the, in the top, of had the they eight, not they allowed a five did. spot in the eighth, right. those dang old five spots, they they might have pulled. I mean, something similar to what they did again against Evansville. This reminded me so much of the Evansville series. Really? Yeah, because I mean, they played poorly. Okay. But they were able to play poorly and then scratch out wins. I think that was the, the primary difference. Is that I think their their playing abilities were about the same. Yeah, but I, you, know, you know what I think that did, though, was give them, like, a little bit of a, oh, we can flip the switch type of deal. Right, yeah. Like, which is not, like we, which we, is not good. Like, we play like shit, but, I mean, just wait until the ninth, though. We get, we That's what I mean. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, wait yeah. until we get to the bullpen, we can put some bats together, I guess we get some fresh arms, you know. They right. haven't seen us, we haven't seen them, but we can start putting bats together, and then, boom. Didn't work out like that. Like no, it didn't. And, well, you, and they were yeah. playing with fire, doing that the whole time. And Ed Service kept saying, "Well, I'd like to see us put nine together instead of, you know, fall into these holes or fall into these ruts, <laughs> and then figure it out." Like yeah, I mean, at the same time, he was saying credit. He was giving credit to his guys for finding ways to dig themselves out of poor performances while the performance is going on. That is something that's good to be able to do. But at the same time, you know, try that from any one and move on from there like right. put the other team in a hole make them desperate make them have to be over aggressive and make mistakes to get themselves back in the ball game as opposed to you know being on your heels the whole time and waiting for someone to punch you in the face and then going oh okay we're in a fight now like Georgetown right. put three on them <laughs> yeah where they're talking put, shit the entire yeah, time I'm getting closer yeah. and closer to you like, I don't know if I'm yeah. going to fight this guy Georgetown put three on you are like oh you can get three back and then all of a sudden it's eight and you're like oh well, well they have two well, innings left now but, like, but honest to god man there was no point in time during this game like they, it w- when when they keep kept leaving, leaving runners on, at no point in time in this game was I like, yeah, they're gonna drive these guys in. Yeah, this could be a big inning. There was no point in time other other than ninth in, in eighth and in ninth inning did I think Creighton's gonna score runs here. You could so they were like they were they were well you could they had they had they had people on but they weren't threatening is what you're saying. Right. Okay. Exactly. I mean, well, they had runners on base and. 
I don't know how many times this happened. They had left before game. before the eighth inning. I think they left ten runners on. I think they had six six run six runners on base in the final two innings. Right, but I there's like from my perspective, there's just I didn't have a lot of confidence that Curtin's like going to put something together because their body language wasn't there, and because they had been making weak contact after they they got runners on. Yeah, and they just weren't able to have any success driving them in. And like I felt like this is one of the worst games that I've seen Creighton play all year, in terms of. Their body language. I mean, you saw, what was that, in the, I think that was in the eighth, wasn't it? Where Georgetown stole second base. Michael no Modi, up. Michael Modi throws down, no and there's one, no, no one, one there. The back, yeah. There's no one covering it. Mm-hmm. Like, you see Struts and, and, and Sat- Collins on, run in, and they're like, oh, shit, we have to catch this. I mean, we have to cover. Yeah, on Saturday in the, in the first inning, uh, Georgetown had that bunt. The guy goes first to third because... Everybody yes. charged. Exactly. It was one of those weekends where yeah. they just made so many mental mistakes. Yeah, they were not locked in at all. Oh. Yeah, but so Saturday they, they got their tails kicked in. Um, well, their tails kicked because that's what they deserved, really. I mean, they almost deserved it with their play on Saturday, but they were able to pitch well enough um, to keep Georgetown quiet for most of the game until the ninth inning. Right. Today that was the case again. I don't think we can criticize the starting pitching this weekend. I think no. I think all across the board, Tappany, Reagan, and Church were outstanding. And, and I think you're right that they, they just left Church in a little too long, and yeah. that was their that was the only issue. I mean, had they stopped him, if they, had they given him a pitch count, a pitch count of like seventy, mm-hmm. and then pulled him after that, mm-hmm. and then put in a guy like Ian Evans, put in Denson Hole, mm-hmm. I mean, and just kind of worked the rest of the game as a bullpen game. Because you had bullpen they have, guys. They have a hell of a ready. shot in this one. Yes. I mean, maybe they, I mean, maybe the offense continues to suck shit, but at least, you know, you're keeping runs off the board. Yeah. And then you're giving them a shot late in the game, maybe to to put something together. Yeah. So just to recap, the offense for the weekend. <laughs> God. The <laughs> offense for the weekend. Um, in the Friday game where they won eight to nothing, they were four for eighteen with runners on base. Um. On Saturday, when they lost six to three, they were two for fifteen. But both of those hits came in the first inning, where they took a two-one lead, and they went zero for ten the rest of the game. And then today, they were one for twenty with runners on base. So if you calculate out the last seventeen innings, where they got outscored thirteen to two by Georgetown after they had the two-one lead on Saturday, went one for thirty with runners on base. One for thirty. That's that gets you. That gets you demoted at the major league level if you go through slumps like that. Like, yeah, we can just cut this guy or something. like one for thirty. Right. From a whole team. Yes. With runners on base. <laughs> That's just there, there's like more going on there than just like uh, bad luck. You know what I mean? Right. The, the approach was not was clearly not right. And it's finals week and everything. We get it, but it's finals week for everybody. I know. You know what I mean? And Georgetown had to travel across the country, like. And you were playing, you knew how important, from Creighton's perspective, they knew how important the home series were, because they already got swept at St. John's, they only split in a neutral site area with Butler because of weather, and Xavier, they, could, they, they wanted to sweep and didn't, because um, they couldn't get the Sunday game, so they'd already dropped enough games on the road to where they came into the series with five Big East losses already. Yeah. Five. In the, in the, and if you look at the first 10 games of Big East play, like going in the past, like the past since they joined the league, you know, 9-1, and 8-2, 7-3, and three, that's usually what they are in the first 10 games. Great, only has five losses. So you start to look at the standings and you're like, wait a minute. 
forget winning the league title. They might not even make that tournament. Right. And you're thinking about Creighton, who has a really good RPI coming into the weekend. I think it was around 34. That's good. Yeah, in fact, in the fact, non-conference at, after last night, it was at 30. Was it really? They bumped up after they lost to a sub-200 team. That's what I mean. So they're like they're in, in that large conversation right now because of the quality wins they have. Minnesota, Nebraska, who around here we think they're not very good, and they, they probably aren't, but they just swept a really good Nevada team this they weekend. They don't say a really good Nevada team. Nevada team has good, like, when you look at their resume, they have that's a, that's a quality series. To sweep that is good. They're 66 in the RPI. They, they were, were in the 50s when they came here to Lincoln. <laughs> oh, my God. How yeah. times have changed? Yes, ex- exactly. Jesus. Yes, exactly. But I'm just saying, like, so they've had, Creighton has quality wins. You know what I mean? Right. And they've oh, got, no, absolutely. And they yeah. have a Cal team to end the season that's going to be another more quality. Like, they might actually somehow, some freakish way, put together a good enough at-large resume and not make the conference tournament, and they won't make the Swiss tournament as a result. I can see that. Because the committee's going to be like, how well, can we leave a team that didn't even make the Big East tournament in the field? Like, how is that going to happen? And what a flip to flip with the script. I mean, typically, yeah. it's great to suck shit in non-conference, and then they kick everyone's ass in conference. Yes. But, well, maybe that's I mean, it's, it's one of those yeah. things where it's like, usually you go into it thinking, you have, there's been one year where Creighton almost had an at-large bid until May, and right. things unraveled in May for them. But usually, when it comes down to this time of year, it's like, all right, how does Creighton get the best possible seed to avoid whatever team in the Big East has their number this year? And then, how do they win the conference tournament? This year they were, yeah. This yeah. year they were creating an avenue for themselves to actually have um, some cushioning going to the Big East tournament where it wasn't boomer bust. Right, where where they didn't have to just hang their hat on like a BYU yes. win. Where they were they put yeah. together a solid resume. Yeah, the Wichita State win still looks yeah. great. Like huge. I mean. But so now they're creating some weird like scenario where it's like you have a great resume, but you didn't make your conference tournament in a league that's what around fifteen to twenty in RPI in between there usually, right? Like a double digit RPI league, you didn't make the conference tournament in that. They're they're not getting in. And you lost two or three to Georgetown. Yeah, swept by St. John's. That's what I mean. So if they don't make the conference tournament, more losses are coming, which means Villanova and Seton Hall is all they have left. So yeah, it's it's not. It's an interesting situation that they're in because they haven't played ball in league play yet. And they have probably the second best team in the league, you know, just based on performances so far coming in next weekend. Now they have the whole weekend off, so they're not going to have any of the excuses of, oh, our Brooklyn's tax, this and that. They have no midweek games. They're just finals and then Seton Hall. You know, and so that's it's, – it's a, it's a boomer bust series, honestly. Because if they have to bank on – I know Villanova is garbage. They haven't won. They're 0 9 in league play right now. Yeah, they just got the shit kicked out of them by uh, Seton Hall. Yeah, they're, they're bad. Yeah. No doubt. Creighton could easily sweep them. But if you have to go into that weekend needing to sweep somebody on the road, that's a difficult task. Like, huge. You don't want to say, well, we need three road wins in a row here, boys, so let's go get them. Like, yeah. you want to have some, some, an out before that. Like, yeah. And to, the, to the point where, because Villanova had an opportunity to play spoiler last year. On the road at St. John's, when St. John's needed to just beat their ass like they could have, they would have won the league outright. Instead, Villanova played spoiler, yeah. beat St. John's best pitchers, and Creighton backed into a league title. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like if you if you bank on, uh, oh, Villanova's just going to roll over at the end of the league at the end of the season. That's already someone's already tried that and they failed at it last year. So, 
Right. And they almost ruined their at-large bid at the same time. A little bit in different circumstances, though. Creighton's trying to play into the tournament. They will St. Be... St. John's was playing to get the... Uh, St. John's was playing for a lot, though. They they yeah, knew true. if they'd beaten Villanova, they were the league champions. Right. So they were essentially playing a one-game title game. Right. And, well, they, yeah. they were, and they were awful. And then everyone knew that... I mean, no matter who's in that title game, they're going to lose to Xavier. Yeah, in the biggest tournament, you yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah, sure. But, I mean, they knew... If they beat Villanova, they would be the regular season champions, exactly. and they would probably solidify their yeah, at large right. bid for an NCAA tournament. Like they yeah. had a lot on the line that game, and yeah. they, they 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 were terrible. So if you want to bank on that, like that's what I'm saying. Next weekend series against Seton Hall, it's huge. Is the season for Creighton? It's it. It's it is. It. It's all it is. Because they they're not getting in without. I, I know it sounds weird to say the Big East tournament is like a qualifier for the NCAA tournament. <laughs> it's not. I'm not trying to say that at all. I'm just saying that's a bare minimum bar. Like. They have to clear that one, make that tournament to even be in the conversation. Because I don't see, foresee the selection committee going, man, this Creighton team's got a really good RPI. They've got a lot of quality wins. What do they do in the Big East tournament? Why aren't they automatic qualifier? They didn't make the Big East tournament. And then you, and it's like, what? Like That, that seems to me like that will uh, take Creighton off the table oh, immediately yeah. in, that, well, in mean, that discussion. The, the fact that you're even talking about them getting an at-large bid is insane to me. Before the season, you mean? No, no, no. I mean, like right now. Well, they've they've, they've got quality wins though. They just lost two of three. No, to I understand. No, now it sounds. Now it's yeah, over. Very now. Before when, the weekend, when, though, when they lost the one to Butler, when they split in, in Edwardsville. Yeah. I was like, that's the that's the season. That's the at large bid. But you, I mean, and but, they're getting swept by St. John's and blowing it in the ninth inning of Game Three. I'm like, holy shit, that's the season too. You need did to, you? But they just beat Nebraska, and then you see the rest of the Big East. Nebraska. They hold on a minute. Suck. Hold on a minute. But that's they, not a quality win. It doesn't even look like a quality. But hold on a minute. But they had just beaten Nebraska, and the way the schedule sets up, they have the next six home games against Big East teams. With the final three against Big East teams being a garbage Villanova team on the road. That's like so right. it's not exactly a difficult task ahead of you. Yeah. And then your final week of the season is three home games against Cal. Right. So you have three more opportunities out of conference play to get quality wins and six home games against league teams. The schedule was setting up to to have a good finish to the season and put themselves in a strong position to have an at-large bid. Right. Which They've is, essentially thrown it out the window now. Yeah, it's gone. Because like, they lost 2 out of 3 to Georgetown, and now they have a really good Seton Hall team coming in. They can right the ship, but, I mean, you know, it's not over by any means what, at all, but, like, that's that's a difficult task they have in front of them now. They've, they've, create, they've made the situation harder for themselves. Right. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. We're, uh, we're at the half-hour mark. 45 minutes. No, I mean it's a half hour since we we said that. Oh, you want hours oh, yeah. more positive now? Yeah, let's, oh, okay. let's talk about something fun. Uh, you said you were gonna have something ready. I don't feel like I'm under any pressure right now. Um, because I was just gonna shoot it straight. Like that was a bad that was a bad weekend. Okay, so something that I did on Twitter today. Uh huh. Um, is you're not gonna do the bunt meet you thing? I mean, yeah. No, so no, that's not. What's that? That's nothing. Why? I wanted to explain it to the, the people who are listening. I don't think you're gonna give people the satisfaction of that being a good thing. I think they're just gonna be like, "What was that?" What do you mean? The, the only nerds listen to this shit. All right, try it. Okay. I, I don't think it's gonna work. So, I went on to Twitter today during the game. I think it was Isaac Collins who acquired. It was, it yes. Was, it was Collins. Yeah. He was squaring around a hit in the foot. Squaring around a butt. And then acquired a meat unit. And I don't know if you guys know what a meat unit is, but it's... Nobody you does. You made that up. It's true. I did. Uh, a meat unit is when you get 
hit by hit, a pitch. Hit by pitch. Thank yeah. you for completing my sentence. No problem. Well, I'm just trying to explain things. And so, yeah, I, I know you're going to disappoint people, so I'm trying to get it over with quickly. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I asked, if you talk about him, that might be positive. People might flock to that. Okay. Uh, Followers. So should I, should I interject like religious shit into this? No. In between? Okay. Just Perfect. tell them what you're going to tell them because it's not going to be what they think it is. Okay. So I said, whenever that happens. Tweet at me. Whenever someone gets hit by a pitch while they're squaring around a button. Correct. Okay. Whenever someone gets hit by a pitch while squaring around a button, tweet at me a celebrity that you want me to tweet a compliment to, and I'll do it. So today, I got... Did uh, you have suggestions for the celebrity? Like, multiple suggestions? Yes, I did. Okay. Uh, from Michael McNeil, I had uh, the President of the United States. Uh, from Does that qualify as a celebrity? I guess he is a celebrity, yeah. I, are you shitting me? <laughs> the only reason he got elected is because he's a celebrity. <laughs> he hosted a show called Celebrity uh, Apprentice. He just lost half the half the followers of this podcast. Go on. I'm just so glad I voted for Trump. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Big Blue Crew uh, said Xavier Baseball. That's a good one. Uh, someone named Jack. You tweeted them in general anyway, though. You're, you're, you're public enemy number one around Xavier's. They fucking hate me. Yeah. I can't believe that. Yeah, you can. Like, no, I mean, outright trolled him for years. I trolled him for two years. That was yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, because. You earned it. Well, I went down. Uh, Alex, what'd you do today? Tell them. Hurry. We have to move on. Damn it. Okay, so <laughs> Jack McConnell said Julio Jones. Uh, Caleb Burkhardt said Coach Miles. Uh, Coach Miles is a celebrity. And that was, that was it. That was all the people. And I said Ted Nugent. And you said Ted Nugent. Yeah. That's right. I just cause he had a rough. He had a rough weekend, you know. Ted. I imagine he drinks heavily. Oh yeah. So when the weekend comes around, I imagine he's in a pretty bad state by Sunday morning. I mean, bad from your perspective, but pretty yeah, out of sorts from a normal perspective. How about that? <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think your perspective is normal? <laughs> is that what you're implying? Here? Yeah, in comparison, sure. So, did you tweet all those celebrities then? Is that what you did? I did. What did you say to Julio Jones? Uh, to Julio Jones, I said, you have fantastic hair. Okay. What did you say to the president? And to the president, I said, you have great taste in footwear. In footwear? Yeah. Okay. And what did you say to Tim Miles? Uh, to Tim Miles, I said, you seem like a great guy to have a beer with. All right. Who was the other one? Uh, the president. <laughs> Oh, no, no. Yeah, you're uh, Xavier Baseball. Xavier Baseball. Uh, your head coach is a great guy. Okay. And what did you say to Ted Nugent? Uh, Ted <laughs> Shit, what did I say to him? <laughs> you I, make uh, toothless people oh, yeah, smile? Oh, you, yeah. You, you make toothless men smile. A toothless men smile. Okay. Yeah. And that's because Isaac Collins got hit by a pitch while squaring around a butt. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. So that's Alex's new tradition. You just came up with that today, correct? That's, that's right. All right. See, that's what happens when Creighton's offense gets into a rut. Alex thinks of things like that. Yeah. To pass the time. Yeah. As, as well as Jimmy's wide. <laughs> so the Big East, the rest of the Big East, like, right now in the Big East standings, Creighton is fifth. They're, I guess, one game up in the lost column over Xavier, but they have a tiebreaker over them, so I guess they're still ahead of them, um, comfortably, if you will. Then Johnson's 11-1. Seton Hall's eight and one. Butler is four and four. Um, Georgetown is four and five. Creighton is four and seven. Xavier is four and eight, and Villanova is really bad. They're zero and fifteen at home. Villanova. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, they're they're not good. They're six and twenty nine overall, zero and nine in league play. They just installed so, artificial turf at home too. I don't think they're playing well on it. Zero and fifteen so Doesn't far. Doesn't sound like it. They're the only team other than Z- Xavier's got losing record at home too. Good old Hayden's not treating them well. Maybe that uh, adult men's league that plays at Villanova's field on Thursday nights really roughs up the field and they can't play on it the next day. Maybe. <laughs> um, St. John's has uh, finishes the season with a three game set at Seton Hall then hosting Butler. But I I would be shocked if they don't. I mean, I, are they are they in now? Do you think they're automatically in? Eleven and one. Can anyone top that? Creighton can't top that. Creighton no. can only win 10 games, so St. John's clinched. Yeah. So St. John's is in now because no one can knock them out, right? Right, so they're firmly in the tournament. But, I mean, Seton Hall can still usurp them for the... Yeah, for yeah, 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 yeah. The league title isn't set up yet. Right. And that's going to be a hell of a series. Um, I guess it's in two weeks now because Seton Hall's at Creighton next weekend. Then they host St. John's for three before finishing up at Georgetown. Um, Butler at four and four hosts Xavier, hosts Georgetown, and then they're at St. John's to finish it out. So... Yeah, that can be tough for Butler if uh, if they don't play well these next two weeks to finish that thing out at St. John's. They might have to qualify and you know where they'll be playing for their Big East tournament spot at St. John's. That'll be tough. Yeah. Um, Georgetown, who now is in the field uh, via their um, two out of three they took in Omaha this weekend. Um, they host Villanova next weekend, which is great for their momentum. Because <laughs> you figure if they get those three, then they're really rolling. Um, then they're at Butler, and then they host Seton Hall. So they have six home games left. Um, Creighton, as we said, hosts Seton Hall for three, and then they're at Villanova for three. Um, Xavier's at Butler, hosts Villanova. Villanova's at Georgetown. And they host Creighton, and they're at Xavier. So Villanova's trash. Don't worry about them. They're not making the field. Could they still make the field? They're nine and nine. They'll, they'll, they'll finish with nine wins. I guess they still are mathematically... Not eliminated yet. Go Wildcats. So Villanova has to go. If Villanova wins out, they might make the field. At the expense of, man, that would be just something else. Um, you got to make a 30 for 30 about that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, going to be an interesting race because right now there are four teams that are, what, separated. Butler's 4-4, four and four, Georgetown's 4-5, and five, Creighton's 4-7, and seven, Xavier's 4-8. and eight. And like I just said, Villanova at 0-9 is unlikely, but they're not even eliminated yet. So Right. It's, crazy. Yeah, it's anyone's fucking game now. All right, and speaking of anyone's game, yeah. Um, since we we got a few minutes on the podcast to kind of riff about some things, I think we have more than that. We didn't have we talk as long as we want. Yeah, well, true. I I mean, usually you want to keep it at tight sixty, you know. Do you? You okay. know what I mean. So we got what you know six what minutes left then. You want to get to sixty? And hit can stop? we can we talk about Hayden Field? Do you want to talk about Hayden Field? <laughs> oh boy, do I. I mean. <laughs> Okay, so we, so Hayden Field is the home field of the Xavier Musketeers, yeah. the team that every every May twenty fifth ish turns into world beaters um, when they make their Big East tournament run and go to the regionals, um, and they play in an, in to call this a bandbox would be I feel like we have to redefine that term. Um, as of yesterday, they had allowed fifty nine home runs in ten games. Or not them, but like Hayden Field that surrendered 59 home runs in 10 <laughs> games. So that's six bombs a game. And, Roughly. And yeah. there, were, they, there were two games where one team hit eight and one team hit seven. So, And they were just coming off a midweek game where an Eastern Kentucky player went four for four and left the yard four times. So it's like kind of like a place where you go to just, you know, 
hit dingers all day, really. And so, I mean, it's a kiddie park. So uh, we we did some research on it, and it was built in I think you said 1920. Yeah. And so the dimensions of this field are three ten down the lines. Three ten down the lines. Three ten. Yeah. Okay, so you can just go, to give you an idea. TD Ameritrade Park is three thirty five. Right. And then it's three eighty to straightaway straightaway center. Field. Yeah. Um, but the wall dimensions in the power alleys are like three twenty five, <laughs> and then it juts out. And it comes to this weird point, not even in center field, but in like left center mm-hmm. is the deep left center is technically the deepest part of the ballpark. Oh, really? So there's like a straight line. Does it get to four hundred? Wall? No, it so doesn't. Close. So close. Yeah. So basically, this play, and so it, it behind the outfield fence is a hill. No, no, no. This is campus. Right. This is campus, so there's like this beautiful greenery, and they got like I think a cathedral kind of in the background. But it's a hill, like it built, it goes upward. It, right. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, it, technically, you could go out and like demolish. Yeah. Yeah. Cut sure. the hill down, and you know. Yeah. yeah do some SimCity kind of stuff to it, sure. If you wanted to, you know, grade it, but they don't, and they haven't. It's essentially impossible to expand the Correct. ballpark because behind home plate, it. It is cut into a hill. Right. Like, it's literally carved out of a hill. It's like, Hayden Field is at the bottom of a ravine, essentially. Correct. So, like, think of Chavez Ravine if it was, like, the size of your house. Right. And that's, that's it. like, if, if you're, like, in a nice suburban home in mm-hmm. West Omaha or whatever, that's about the size yep. of the plot that Hayden Field sits on. Yeah. So, wind isn't a factor. No, nothing's a factor. Yeah, nothing's a factor <laughs> except for the dimensions are incredibly easy to clear. Right. If you get a ball in the air at all. And so, so St. John's, Saturday, yesterday. Yes. They scored 34 runs, had I don't know how many dingers. They had five. They had five dingers. Xavier and St. John's both had five home runs yesterday. So they had 10 altogether. 10 altogether. Wow. 10 home runs yesterday left, left the park. And Creighton last weekend hit seven dingers in hit one like Hit him like that's what Creighton baseball does. Yeah. I mean, Isaac Collins was putting him out. Yeah. You know, a guy was... I remember that was the first freak out you had. You texted, you texted me or something when Collins hit a grand slam. Gr- yeah. And you're I, like, oh no, my God, Collins hit a grand you. slam. And then we, what you didn't realize was that everybody was about to start hitting home runs out of that ballpark. So. Right. But, I mean, that made it like 17-2 to two or something like that. That made it 7 to nothing. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, but and I called you. Else is like, holy crap! We can just hit the ball over the fence. I called you. And I'm like, man, Isaac Collins just hit a grand slam, mm-hmm. and then I hung up, like, because you didn't answer your phone. <laughs> like that was the voicemail I left you. Yeah. Um, but so the dimensions of of Hayden Field, absolutely atrocious for college baseball. Yes. And, and I did some research, and I, I looked into it. I'm so pretty sure little league baseball would look like all like a bunch of all star Division one prospects if they were to play at that field too. Absolutely. Because I played at, well, the play that I feel I played at when I was 13, mm-hmm. 14 was 325 down the lines. Right. So, so it was, it was again, There you go. Tougher. Deeper. Yeah. It's deeper. <laughs> <laughs> but, and so, and even a more interesting factoid about Old Hayden Field is it, I think from the right field foul line until about, I think the power alley in right center, uh, the entire warning track is elevated, so you have about ten feet of oh my field God, material. Oh about that warning track. Yeah. Of, of field material that's, that goes up onto an incline. It's kind of like Towns Hill yeah. that was at 
uh, Minute Maid Park. Right. Except it's in right field because they have to do it because they decided not to grade that land and make it flush. So it was really interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many Creighton fans watched the, the Sunday game against Xavier last weekend. But, I mean, just watching Will Robertson and Clark Brickman have to run up, like, up an incline <laughs> in order to feel the ball. And you're like, this is a Division One college baseball. Like, maybe D2. A successful Division One college baseball Maybe program. D2. Yeah. Maybe Juco can get away with that ticky-tack bullshit. But a D1 team? Oh. That's insanity. Do you think it's, do you think any Valley team has a ballpark like that? <laughs> it's a joke. It really is. I mean, even like Wichita State has a park that plays to offense, like, but it's real. It's a real ballpark. Like, you know what I mean? It's just got a really big, you know, situation behind it where wind doesn't affect the damn thing very much, so you can just spray the ball over the place. Right. But it's you know it's not like this little kitty stuff where it's like, you know, you can. If you put a sign on the fence, just on a little piece of paper, you can be able to read it from home plate. Like that's what Xavier's got going on. Yeah, and there's no way to change it. They have to play in that park if they unless unless they go to a different ballpark or get a different ballpark. Right, because, because they, unless they 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 would have to demolish the campus behind the park to to move the fences back. Or they finally decide, hey, this is probably an important plot of land. Maybe we could put like a dormitory here. Then they tear down Hayden Field and, and then move it to a place that's, that's suitable for baseball. For a baseball. Yeah, sure. But I mean, it was built in 1920, so I bet you there's people who are like, no. It's been renovated twice, three yeah. times. Three times. Three times. It got, it got renovated 1935, last time. 1982, and 2012. No, it's 2010. Yeah. And the thing that they added in 2010, they built on uh, more seating. It was, yeah. it was like seating and concessions mm-hmm. that sit right on top of the Xavier dugout. Yeah. And they were like, that's all we need to do with this. We can walk <laughs> away. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. no. <laughs> you, you play in a children's ballpark. Yeah, it is consistently the worst ballpark to watch baseball in. I mean, if you like, if you like watching guys hit softball home runs, it's pretty cool. Right, because basically anything that's up in the air is gone. Yeah, I don't think I don't, that park can't hold a fly ball. It really can't. So it might hold, might be able to hold the line drive if you get it low enough. I mean, even if you like think about it, if you got if you if you got the wind blowing out there yeah. and you got that ball in the jet stream, it's gone. No, no question. Like it would just push it out. And yeah, it. a ball in the air is gone. <laughs> yeah. If you get enough topspin on a line drive, you might be able to land that thing at the warning track. Right. But other than that, it's 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 a dinger park. Like, yeah, it's it's step right up. It's a race to the bat rack. Like you just you know take your shot. Everybody who's ever wanted to hit a home run as a college baseball player gets to live out their dream. <laughs> at that place, that place fulfills it all. So yeah, that's that's uh, Hayden Field. And and um, I've done a little bit of research. I can't quite find a lot of the dimensions for Prasco Park where the Big East tournament's being played, the dimensions are very similar. similar. Yep. I know it's 310 down the lines at Prasco Park. I don't know what it is in the power alleys. I'm assuming that it's built for like real baseball. So it's probably like, you know, 360, 370 mm-hmm. in the power alleys and then probably like 400 in the straightaway center. But I haven't been able to find the like the dimensions for it yet. I'll post them on Twitter at some point when I do find them. But well, if Creighton doesn't qualify for the tournament, we won't have to worry about it. So no, absolutely not. So that's still the we're you know yeah, but can't count the chickens before they hatch type of deal. Right, but if if Creighton does, and now that we're on the the subject, of the Big East tournament, uh, free concessions, free attendance. All you have to do is show up, 
uh, take a handful of pills brought to you by Brasco Park, and then you become a guinea pig for the weekend. What? Okay, that, that last part was a joke. But so this place is called Prasco Park. Okay. Jesus. So it's it's pra- it's on the campus of Prasco Laboratories, and Prasco Laboratories is a oh, generic no. manufacturer of well of generic pharmaceuticals. So they create like the generic version of uh, Adderall, the uh, generic version of uh, what, what's the the sleep aid? There was a. Uh, it was big back like five years ago. I don't know. I don't know, but like a, a, you know, a, a joke that puts you to sleep. Okay. I mean, they make a bunch of just generic pharmaceuticals, and so they're offering people free concessions on their campus at a stadium. This is real. This is real. Okay. And attendance is free as well. I don't know if they're like, hey, make sure you sign in. To you know, make sure that we count you as an attendee. Think they're just gonna gas the crowd or something like that. Well, no. And then, new, as it turns out, you're signing new, a waiver. Some new inhalant. Right. I mean, come on. Oh, they, I think they. Uh, no, I don't think that's true. I, I was gonna say we're gonna stop. Okay. No, come on. But I mean, this is this has got to be. There's got to be something here. We can talk about it if Peyton qualifies. We'll go a whole big half hour on. I, someone needs to look into this shit. You can look into it, and then when Creighton, if Creighton qualifies, we can exploit it all in another podcast. Fine. All right. So until then, <laughs> <laughs> until then, uh, check out Alex's work at White and Blue Review, um, as well as all of ours at White and Blue Review. I guess we're part of the same team now. Usually, sorry, I'm getting used to like having a White and Blue Review guy on one of these Blue Jay beats. Do someone else's plug. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, part of the team now, doing a great job. He covers his baseball team like nobody's business. Um, and we will come back to you next weekend. Uh, Creighton hosts Seton Hall on a three-game set uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at TD Ameritrade Park. Um, we'll have another Blue Jay beat as soon as that series is concluded. And, um, you know, we'll see where Creighton falls in the Big East standings according to that because right now they got some work to do. So... Until then, thanks for tuning in. Have a good week, everyone.